0: Before I get going, I guess I want to say, um, if you guys need something to read, buy this book. Um, if you want to read more about the Beatitudes, it's A.W. Pink. And, uh, everyone see it? Okay, it is a really good book. So if you're curious to just look more into the Beatitudes, and it's also, it also has the Lord's Prayer in there, so that's bonus. Um, but yeah, it, that is a really good book. Let me say, I, I gleaned a lot from it. So um, let's open up to Matthew 5. Sorry, like, like Andy said, we're just about to finish the Beatitudes. And uh, we've been going through that the entire summer. And it's, it's crazy how rich this this is, right? How rich God's Word is. We've been, we've been just going through one beatitude each, each time. And, uh, and we have way more to talk about than we have time for. Um, so, so remember, this is Jesus' first recorded sermon. This is the first thing he says in that first recorded sermon. So this is important. It describes what, what God's people, um, who God's people are, what's true of God's people, um, and it describes people who are really blessed by God, truly blessed, truly happy. So um, you guys probably know them pretty well by this point. Um, I thought maybe we could read them aloud together. I don't know how well that's going to work, but um, let's start at verse 3. So Matthew 5, verse 3, and uh, let's let's read them together. Um, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great and so that <laughs> uh, I, knew, I knew we were gonna get a little lost in that last part with the translations, but um So this describes true happiness, right? You want to be happy? Be poor in spirit. Mourn. Be meek, hunger and thirst for righteousness, be merciful, be pure in heart, be a peacemaker, and be persecuted for righteousness sake. This, this last one probably has to be one of the, one of the most unusual ones out of them all. Um, I'm, I'm sure we've all heard this before. At least most of us have heard this before, but I want you, I want you to, Imagine you've never heard this before. Imagine you're in that crowd when Jesus is saying this. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you look at verse 10, you notice it'll look, it looks a lot like the rest of the Beatitudes. It's the same structure. Um, it sounds exactly, oh, just about the same. And then verse 11, kind of expound on it further. Um, it's because this one is so counterintuitive. There's more explanation on wh- on what it means. So you see, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake in verse 10. And then verse 11 describes the persecution. Um, verse 10 it says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It tells about why, why they should be blessed. And then verse 12 explains that even more. Um, so it's 11 and 12 are kind of attack on at the end of this one. Um, and notice the change in pronouns, too. That's kind of interesting. Uh, verse 10, blessed are those. And then you get to verse 11. What does it say? Blessed are you. And, uh, these last couple verses might just very well be a, a personal call to, from Christ to his disciples, um, encouraging them and, and saying, yeah, I did actually just say what you thought I just said. Um, so so to so, to help us understand this we 're going to look at two main points um, first we 're going to look at persecution, which is the natural response of the world to god 's people, and then number two we 're going to look at joy, which is the unnatural response of god 's people to persecution so again number one we 're going to look at persecution number two we 're going to look at joy um, all right number one persecution the natural response of unbelievers to god's people um and if you're if you're like me uh you might have already checked out at this point you heard persecution and you're kind of gone um because you think okay persecution doesn't have to do with me it's for some someone in some country that um, where they take christians and put them in prison they beat them they kill them right um let's turn to second timothy chapter 3 It's really important that we see this, I think. Right here, Paul is writing to Timothy um, about the context. He's talking about the last days. And we're living in the last days right now. It's just the time after Christ. Um, so, right, verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. Um, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, and my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from all of them the Lord rescued me. And get this, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. The entire book of 2nd Timothy, Paul is encouraging Timothy in his persecution. Not, not everyone in the first century was super excited to be persecuted for Christ, unlike we might think. Re- Timothy was reluctant and probably scared would be a good word to describe it. Um, he tells Timothy three times in this book to share in suffering. But he also makes a point right here, what we just read, verse 12. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So don't separate yourself from this. Let me just say that right off the bat. Um, Let's go back to Matthew 5. Alright, so what do these persecutions look like? Um, Verse 11 Kind of explains a bit more, like I was saying earlier. Verse eleven and twelve are more of an explanation of of verse ten. So verse eleven. Blessed are you when others revile you. So those are words and thoughts against you and persecute you. That literally means to pursue, to harass, to um to trouble. And that could be physical or that could, that could be verbal too. And then utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. So that's slandering, gossiping, purposely, purposefully saying something that's wrong about someone else. Uh, Luke 6.22 is a parallel to this and, and just listen to these words. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. And notice from those those pass these two passages that um, physical abuse can only come from one of the words he's describing there, which is persecution. All the rest of them are attacks on character. They're attacks on your person. So it's not as much even about physical per- persecution. And we don't have much of a threat of physical persecution here, obviously. But remember. What we just read, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So people can go against your character. They can slander you. They can gossip against you. So don't separate this from yourself. Um, And this is something to expect for all believers. And and this passage in Matthew 5 also shows that. Um, If you remember from some of the Beatitudes we looked at so far, um, a lot of them have to do with the inward uh, characteristics of a believer. So, verses like three through six, and then verse eight, so that has to do with the heart of the believer. And then verses seven and nine have to do with the how believers act around with people around them. So, how they interact with unbelievers or believers. Um, but notice this one, verse 10, is the only one that mentions the response of those to God's people. The first seven Beatitudes are things that God works in believers and calls them to do. But this is the description of what happens to believers. The first seven Beatitudes are characteristic and they're true of all God's people, right? And this one is no different. We can't just pick and choose here, right? Um, so who does... That a kingdom of heaven belonged to. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So why why is persecution the world's normal response to God's people? Let's go to John 15 together. And right here, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he's about to to leave, so he's preparing them for when he's going to leave. So, John 15, starting in verse 18. If the world hates you, know it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. And he keeps on until about chapter 16, verse 4. But we'll just stop there. So we need to remember as believers, we're not a part of this world anymore. If you're a believer, you're not a part of this world anymore. Um, You've been called out of it. You're fundamentally different than the world. You once were part of it, but remember, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone away, the new has come. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now you're being made into his image. And then on the other side, we need to remember that this world has fallen place. Man has been cursed with sin, and he's living apart from God and contrary to God. And that's all men. That's why James says, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? That's a that's a big statement, isn't it? To be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. Man does not love God. Man does not love God. People might tell you something different, but Scripture says that those apart from Christ are enemies of God. That's Romans 5.10. So Jesus says, if the world hates you, know it hated me first. And what do you think they're going to do when they see someone being changed into his likeness? Right? This is the natural response of people to God. And so obviously it's the natural response of the world to God's people. And not only do they hate what who God's people are, they also hate what they do. They hate, they hate what they say. Um, and remember, remember what we went over last week. Um, seventh beatitude: Blessed are those who are, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And uh, is that, that's kind of interesting. That, that comes right before, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Right? The peacemakers receive animosity. Those people who are trying to bring others to peace with God are persecuted. And it's mostly because of the message they bring. Um, so let's go to Second Corinthians chapter two. Good book, by the way. We've been going through Second Corinthians Bible study. It's a good book. So Paul is talking about the effect of, of believers and and what they say and what they what they who they are as well. Second uh, Corinthians chapter two. Thanks be to God It's the gospel, the aroma of Christ. And for those who love God and are called by God and are poor in spirit, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that, that's life. It's abundant life. It's sweet to them. But on the other side, for those of the world who love their evil deeds more than light, it's the aroma of death. That's what this passage just said. It's a warning about the consequence of their sins and the need to repent. And the world fights the message, but how do they do that? They persecute the person that brings it, right? So remember, perse- persecution isn't just physical. I remind you of that. It's not just physical. It's attacks against your character. It's verbal. And that, that happens today. That's, we're not immune to that. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So let's go back to Matthew 5 again. Let's look at the phrase, for righteousness sake. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Um, Righteousness is the quality of being right, and it's, an attribute of God. It's a quality of God. So, so they're being persecuted for doing what's right, right? Verse 11 also says, they utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. If you aren't doing anything wrong in the first place, the persecution has to be done wrongly, right? It has to be false. That's what being persecuted for righteousness sake is. It's false. We also need to remember on the other side what being persecuted for righteousness' sake isn't. It's not just getting the consequence of your actions. Um, you can't get a speeding ticket and say you're being persecuted for righteousness' sake. That doesn't work. Does not work. Um, First Peter actually says a lot about that. <laughs> First Peter says a lot about this. And uh so I'll just read I'll just read one passage to you guys about that distinction. Servants be subject to your own masters with all respect not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Again, same thought, unjust. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. That's First Peter two eighteen to 20 Um. So back in Matthew 5, notice the reason in verse 11 is on my account. Verse 10 says, for righteousness sake. And verse 11 says, on my account. And of course, suffering for Christ's sake would be suffering for something that's right, right? If you endure hardships, it ought to be because because you're following Christ, not because you're doing wrong. That's what for righteousness sake means. So it has to be for righteousness sake. Um, so, so I want to just step back a second. Like, You guys know this? Have you heard this before? All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Persecution is all over Scripture. And it's, it's interesting that Christ and the early church, they didn't, they didn't hide that from people. They didn't hide that from unbelievers when they're telling him about Jesus, and they didn't hide it from believers. Um, I think we could learn a lesson from them in that. Um, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. We read that earlier, John 15. He also said to crowds around him whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So he wasn't blind to that fact. He knew it was coming. He actually prepared them for it. He got them ready for it. Um, Acts, Acts 14 says this about Paul and Barnabas. They returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And they do this because there's a real danger of someone not knowing with Christian life. It's going to be hard, right? Um, Jesus pointed out that out in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. He said, as, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the Word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but he endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the Word, immediately he falls away. How many people do you know like that? Right. Persecution is the natural response of the unbelieving world to God's people. And we need to know that. And I, I think we need to prepare other people for that too. That was one thing that really stuck out at me when I was reading that. Um, so I don't know if we're in Matthew 5 right now, but go back there if you're not there. Um, so Jesus says one more thing at the end of verse 12, that. Like, that goes along with this point. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So this isn't just a New Testament thing. This has been the experience of God's people for all time, especially for those who speak His Word. Um, So I'm just going to read a list of these. Cain killed Abel because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Jezebel tried to kill all the prophets of God. Jezebel also tried to kill Elijah. Micaiah the prophet was hated by King Ahab and the false prophets. Haniah the prophet was put in prison. Zechariah the prophet was stoned in the temple. Isaiah was sawn in two. After Jeremiah finished speaking to the priests and the prophets, they told him, you shall die. Uriah the prophet was killed by the sword. I'm sure there's more. Um, 2 Corinthians thirty-six, fifteen and 16 says this. It kind of sums it up. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing his prophets. God's people again being persecuted. Rejoice and be glad. And my guess is you probably don't feel too blessed right now after all that. I, I definitely don't. Blessed are those who are persecuted. How does Christ expect these people doing right being persecuted wrongly? How does He expect them to re- respond with joy? So that's the next thing we're going to look at, joy. How do they do that? How do they do that? This is the unnatural response of God's people to persecution. Joy. And it was important that, to Jesus that they understood this. Like we said earlier, he adds more explanation to this beatitude than all the others. And he hap- mentions happiness and blessedness three times. Blessed are those, blessed are those, rejoice and be glad. Like you'd have to be deaf to miss that. This is how Jesus wants his followers to respond. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? So, um, I want us to turn to Romans 8 real quick. Not really quick, actually. This will be a while. And I'm just going to read. I'm just going to read this passage, um, starting at verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with them, in order that we may be glorified with them. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, and the hope that is seen is not hope. Who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, uh, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we need to be reminded of God's love for His people, His goodness toward His people, right? Because if you don't trust God's goodness and His wisdom and His sovereignty and and persecution, it's pretty hard to follow Jesus' words. It's pretty hard to rejoice in the middle of that. Because where do all these sufferings come from? God's hand. Who has spoken and has come to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? That's Lamentations 3.37. From God's hand. And in His power, even evil done to His people. He works for their good, right? For those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. And remember remember all the suffering, all the persecution that's surrounding Romans 8, right? I'm sure that's what Paul had in mind when he said that. At least a big part of it. And so we can say with Joseph... After being sold into slavery by his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Right? Remember his sovereignty in this. So why should we rejoice in the midst of trials? trials? How can we be prepared to respond to them in a way that's pleasing to God? Because we, the response is important. He did say Rejoice. So, we could respond wrongly. So let's not do that. So back to, back to Matthew 5. So first off, we have just what we have in verse 10. Why should we be blessed? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Why? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Remember the first beatitude? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Have a whole circle bringing it back on itself. So these persecuted people are God's people. They're citizens of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. We're God's people. Think about that. How could you be more blessed? Right? The God of all has shown favor to you. And we can rejoice in the middle of persecution because it gives a confirmation of who we are. We can rejoice in the middle of persecution because... Persecution itself gives a confirmation of who we actually are. Remember what Jesus said in John 15. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Because you're a citizen of heaven, therefore the world hates you. So we can also rejoice in persecution because we know the ultimate fulfillment of that, of the kingdom of heaven, right? which is just heaven, just heaven, which is heaven, which is far better. Going through suffering is a small price to pay for that. Help us to see that clearly. Paul said in Romans 8.18, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. So we rejoice because we're part of the kingdom of heaven. We rejoice because we'll know it fully on that day. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, second, why should we rejoice? We have verse 12. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Rejoice and be glad. Why? For great is your reward in heaven. You can't really fully know what that means, what that looks like. There's not really a description of what it is, but we should know that there are rewards in heaven. There's some special treatment for those who have suffered more. In addition, just to being members of God's kingdom, Your reward is great in heaven. And that that phrase isn't just used for anything. When Jesus says something, He means it. And when He says it will be great, we probably should take His word for it, right? Luke 6.22 actually tells us to leap for joy. Think about that. Leap for joy because of that great reward. We really need to change the mindset, don't we? Your reward is great in heaven. So finally, why why we should be blessed, why we should rejoice in the midst of that in persecution we're following in Christ's footsteps. And think of his persecution. He was reviled, he was excluded, he was falsely accused, he was driven out of towns. He was almost stoned. He was arrested. He was spit on. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was led to a, a humiliating death. And if there was someone who knew how to suffer for righteousness' sake, it was Jesus. Someone knew what that meant. It was Jesus. He didn't leave us alone on this. How good of a Savior we have. He didn't ask us to do things we didn't know, that He didn't know about. Let's turn to 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 20. What credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Look at verse 21. He suffered for you, and he calls you to suffer for him. That's the gist of it. We aren't called to suffer for just anyone, but for Him. And in a way, it should be an honor to follow Him. In Acts, I'm sure this is how the apostles in Acts they came out of jail. And it says they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. That always struck me as so different. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer. And so this is Christ's desire for us. This is Jesus' desire for us to rejoice in persecutions when He brings them. Remember, this is this is not natural. He knew that. But let's not run. Let's not run from them. How often do we run at the first hint of any kind of persecution? Right, it's so easy. Just step back down. And in Second Timothy, I was really, uh, really impacted by that reading that, because Paul keeps on telling Timothy to share in suffering, share in suffering not to run away from it. Let's go back to Matthew 5 and close. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So that's Beatitudes. That's all. It's the character of God's people. And it's the people that are truly happy and truly blessed. So let's... Let's read three through ten together again, just in closing. We won't go on to eleven and twelve because that didn't work too well last time. <laughs> three through ten. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Father, we want to praise you for, Lord, just for who you are, Lord, and your goodness to us. Lord, you've shown us so much grace. Lord, you called us out of darkness. You made us new. Father, we remember that you're sovereign in these things. Lord, we ask for a change of mindset. Lord, we ask for what Christ was going for in His disciples. Father, the Lord, that we'd see these things differently than we often do. Lord, that we'd long more for, for heaven. Lord, that we'd rejoice in knowing who we are before You. Father, please help us. Lord, please help us to understand this. Yeah. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.